1: The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling.
0: Alright guys, welcoming back into the program my friend Tej Seth. You can find him at FB analytics he of course writes at sumer sports you can find all of his work there pretty entertaining and insightful twitter follow and uh it's look we're here we are gonna we're gonna talk some ball we are gonna decide over the next 45 minutes to an hour ultimately what ryan Poles in the chicago bears front office should do and uh it'll be inarguable whatever our inevitable conclusion is that is going to be my opinion that i'm going to carry for the next i think we're 96 days away from the draft and i'm just not going to change my mind
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean this is this is a fun exercise to do. Uh, you know, thanks for having me back on to to do this again. I think it'll be really interesting to talk through. I think one of the more uh, impactful off seasons for for the Bears here that are coming up.
0: Well, you know, in a weird way, I would say last off season and this off season is one of the most impactful for the entire league as as a whole in terms of you know winners losers and the balance of power uh there's that great stat going around that uh since the if you go back to the start of the 2022 nfl season every team has now changed their offensive coordinator all 32 teams in the nfl have changed their offensive coordinator obviously some of the longest tenured head coaches in the nfl have been excused from their offices uh bill belichick is gone even even good teams. I mean, we are recording this right now. It is Tuesday, January twenty third at one o four p.m. Central Time. If it comes out in the next forty eight hours that Sean McDermott has been let go, that Nick Sirianni has been let go, um, you know, I I really again am not going to be that surprised. And uh, look, I we we got other stuff this off season like C.J. Stroud and that ascending Texans offense might be losing their play caller. The Detroit Lions, NFC. Conference champion uh, finalists might be are are for sure going to be losing their offensive coordinator. Like it's a crazy offseason without even getting into the quarterback stuff.
1: 100%. And I think it really just stems from everyone is chasing their own Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Mike McDaniel, where you can see how quickly these teams turn around from finding the right offensive play caller. And like you see that from the Titans hiring Brian Callahan, moving on from Mike Vrabel like they did yesterday, where Mike Vrabel... Pretty highly regarded as a head coach, someone who gets a lot out of his roster, but he was a defensive minded head coach that didn't have a highly ranked defense. Now they go like more off the beaten path and, and go offensive coordinator route, uh, you know, for someone who was, was like less talked about in these head coaching decisions compared to like other offensive coordinators. So I think, I think it's all about like this that, this off season, like you mentioned, like with, with some of the moves that these teams made.
0: I mean, to be honest, I don't know if I could have gotten to who Brian Callahan was if you had just told me 48 hours ago who is Brian Callahan. <laughs> like, I would have been like, I I mean, he could be, he could be literally, it sounds like a, sounds, he does sound like a football guy name, but it's like, I don't know. Do I really, is, is this the guy that we're staking our future on? I mean, I guess maybe. And, and, okay, we will get to the fields thing here in a second, but let's, let's start from here. I'm I'm kind of of two minds about this this new theory, this relatively new theory that everyone says, well you can't hire a defensive minded head coach because even if it's even if it's Dan Campbell, right? Even if it's this guy who has this crazy success and the players love him and he always has the guys ready to play, you run into the inevitable problem that actually after a successful year, you're going to lose at minimum your offensive coordinator, probably multiple of your offensive uh, play calling staff because they're just going to go get a head job. They're, they're going to get a, a head coaching job. Now, that sounds true, right? On its face, you're like, well, how could you, anyone even argue with that? The thing that I think you could argue back would be, well, you can just promote from within because obviously Ben Johnson and Bobby Slowick and these guys do not do their job in a vacuum. They have uh collaborators. They have you know a, a tight ends coach, quarterback coach, so on and so forth. Where do you land on that?
1: I think that's a really interesting point to bring up, but when you lose the the play caller itself, like I think that you often see that the, the plays are still there, but it's the sequencing that sometimes has a drop off. I think we saw that with the Eagles this past year where Shane Steichen and Brian Johnson were, were running similar plays, you know, the, the, the heavy use of a screen game, you know, involving Jalen hurts in the run game. Some of the past concepts that they use with AJ Brown, like especially against man coverage, were all still in the Eagles playbook. It was Steichen did such a good job of sequencing and like how he wanted to distribute those plays uh, like past the scripted plays. Well, I think someone like Brian Johnson, who's, who's no longer the Eagles often coordinator like struggled with that a little bit. So, I think there's like you mentioned like there there doesn't have to be a ton of expected drop off right away, but once you start to see the new play caller with with new information about them, like that's when you can start to evaluate whether or not the drop off is actually happening.
0: And I do think I I cannot believe this is about to be a real real football guy point. So, um, you know, forgive me if uh this is too hand in the dirt, but there I would I would maybe hear some argument that the things that Mike Vrabel and Dan Campbell and these guys are really good at kind of the like the rah-rah get the locker room together everyone wants to run through a brick wall for you I would totally believe you if you told me Kyle Shanahan not that good at that Mike McDaniel not that good at that 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 is you know maybe those two skill sets do not overlap for whatever although Shanahan has had a shit ton of winning teams so it's probably not true McDaniel we're we're still waiting right i mean what what i guess the signature win of the Mike McDaniel era was a a road playoff or a road game to the Cowboys where they they fumbled at the inch yard line and that was that's the big win of the Dolphins era i guess i mean i don't know McDaniel's probably a, a, a good coach and it seems like the guys like him but I don't know. He's got a lot to learn. Or maybe he just doesn't have a good enough quarterback.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, that's definitely a fair point to bring up. Like, I think, I think only two years into head coaching career, it's like, it's very early to, to make a a strong conclusion on him. Uh, Like, you know, definitely can say he's improved the offense, whether he's improved the team culture and, you know, considering the defense special teams, like all the other things that uh, are involved in being a head coach. Yeah. Like that, that's what we still have to find out. So uh, I, I, I do like bringing up that point for sure.
0: All right, so the Chicago Bears have the first overall pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. There are not one, but two incredibly strong prospects. I I would maybe hesitate to call either one of them generational because I think generational implies that they were also the absolute best players in college. And Caleb was for like 10 games, but then... I, th- I think it. I think it would. It would be just sticking your head in the sand a little bit to not be just somewhat concerned as to how weird his final season at USC was. Like the the team went seven and five, you know. And I mean, he yeah. didn't play for part of it, but yeah, quarterback. I mean, a seven and five team. You're just generally not saying like, okay, that's the greatest quarterback prospect of all time. Now May is sort of interesting, and maybe you know a little bit more about this than I would. I would guess he was not a very highly recruited, like, he was not like a giga five star, like, every team wants to have him. Because, how, if that is true, how do you end up as the quarterback of the University of North Carolina? I mean, that is just, it's not, it's so far away from like a super prospecting school. I've heard some people say Jaden Daniels is the quarterback too in the class. Um, I definitely cannot get there, and we can we we got lots of time to to dig into that. I, I right now for me it's Caleb and it's May and it is Daniels. I actually think there's an argument that they should be the first three picks in the draft. If yeah. I'm Ryan Poles, if Ryan Poles, uh, if Ryan Poles wants to reach out to Davis Maddock Consulting <laughs> and and go over this and wants to pay me, um, you know, five figures to get my thoughts, I think it's very clearly you just take Caleb and you figure it out from there. Uh, where do you
1: stand? I am with you. I think that, I, I mean, I, I like Justin Fields. I, I love Justin Fields coming out of college. Uh, you same, know, As, as some people did. <laughs> yeah. But I think that once we've seen Justin Fields in the NFL, and I know that you can make arguments about the play calling and some of the supporting cast, especially like pre-DJ Moore or even like what's around, uh, you know, the Bears right now outside of DJ Moore. I just don't think Fields has done enough to warrant giving up the number one pick and, and keeping him. I think if you had the number three pick in this draft, if you were Ryan Poles, you would strongly consider keeping Justin Fields and probably would keep him overtaking like Jamie Daniels. I, I think you definitely there, would. But, I think with yeah. the
0: third pick, you definitely, you third pick, I don't even think i think about it because you, you can kick the can down the road with him as well because he's not due any money this year you could give him the jordan love deal you could offer right. him the jordan love deal which is just like a very small extension um you could you could pick up the fifth year option like maybe you suck again and you get the first pick next year or whatever so i i think we should hone in on this the idea that justin fields has not done enough because i think some people would say well obviously he's not done enough the guy hasn't won any fucking games and then other people would say yeah, but when I watch Justin Fields, he, like, looks pretty good. Like, I watch Justin Fields, and I'm like, you know, he's running around, and he's doing stuff. Ultimately, to me, this is where I land. He has been sacked on 12.4% of his dropbacks, and this is from a running quarterback where a lot of those dropbacks mm-hmm. actually turn in to positive yardage. Those turn into rushes. So, actually, if you exclude the rushes from the dropbacks, it, it gets even worse. You put any kind of filtering you want. Any kind of before 1990, entire NFL history only since 2000. Look, whatever filter you want, Fields is amongst like the five worst sack guys at getting sacked ever of all time. Right, I worse the the one that I always come to is he got sacked uh, more often in his best sack career, which was last season, than the the David Carr expansion Texans year. He he got sacked <laughs> more often, which is just like. I, more, he's over a thousand dropbacks and and this is mm. still this is still ha- what like you you simply cannot succeed in enough drives if you're getting sacked one out of every 10 times you drop back
1: oh 100 yeah and like even fields in 2022 had like a 15 percent sack rate uh it went down to like around 10 percent last year but like when you look at not even the best quarterbacks like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, they're around 4%. Like even just like someone like Brock Purdy or Jalen Hurts who only get sacked on on 6% of their dropbacks, like that's just such an improvement. Like those that 4% means a ton for like just how often you get the ball out and various, uh, you know, things that you're able to do outside of that. So I think that's like definitely something that you you like have to consider with fields and like even even if the offensive line plays at a high level like field would still take sacks behind that because we know that sacks is mostly a quarterback stat something that the quarterback controls
0: well uh, my my favorite stat to illustrate that is always the uh the the buccaneers chief super bowl the chiefs have three offensive linemen missing Everyone's memory of that game is like Mahomes running for his life. He had that the touch the drop touchdown pass to Damian yeah. Williams, where he's completely parallel to the ground. And if you ask someone, oh, well, how many times did he get sacked in that game? They'd be like, I'll, I'll, I'll um, six times, seven times. He he got sacked three times in that game, right? Yeah. which is just like it's. And obviously it's not fair to compare someone to Mahomes because he is an alien. But like even like like Josh Allen, like one of the things, one of the things that really separates Josh Allen from other contenders for, you know, the 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 next best quarterback title is that Josh does not get sacked. And you would I think you would maybe even think, like, oh, Josh definitely gets sacked. Like in my mind, he just runs around and is doing crazy shit all the time, but he really doesn't. And that's the 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 Bengals have run into this problem is Burrow eats a lot of sacks. Burrow is like eight nine percent sack rate, and that has really limited them um in, in some high leverage spots. And even further than the sacks, there's not really a ton of evidence that just improving the weapons around fields is going to make him a quarterback that you want to pay. He is at uh, six point four adjusted yards per attempt for his career seven point seven flat. Uh, YPA for his career, you know, he just is not quite accurate enough and yeah, he's great when throwing to DJ Moore, but like kind of everyone's been, you know, PJ Walker was pretty good throwing to DJ Moore, and you're not going to get an entire offense built out of DJ
1: Moore's. Exactly. Yeah. And like, I think that when you, when you look at the bears and like the draft capital that they have in, in this draft, like you can get a, an offense that you feel pretty good about from having those, those two top 10 picks where you, if you do take the quarterback at number one, overall drafting a receiver like Roma Dunze or Malik neighbors, or like whoever you feel is, is uh, the right pick at that number nine pick and like having them line up across from DJ Moore, then you have, uh, you know, secondary receiving options that you can really count on. And you can feel like really excited about the offense that you have going forward, uh, which is like what I think that the, the Bears should and, and probably will end up doing in this draft.
0: You you that actually um that's a pretty interesting point because obviously a lot of the time when you were a team in this position and you're you're drafting first overall and you're drafting a quarterback, you were drafting a quarterback into like, you know, just shit. What what we saw yeah. Bryce Young have to deal with, right? Like Bryce mm-hmm. Young comes in and he's like, All right, I got Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, and Jonathan Mingo to the point that there, I would not make this argument. There would be some people who would make the argument. Well, we we don't even know anything about Bryce Young because his circumstances were so bad. I think that's very dangerous, and it actually kind of how you end up in this situation with Fields, where we are a thousand dropbacks into his career, three years in his career, and people are saying, "Well, we still don't know if he's any good or not." Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, an argument for okay, you have the pick let's take Caleb Williams, or maybe maybe Ryan Poles will have strike me. I don't know. I Probably Caleb for me. Is that he immediately comes in, and he's got DJ Moore to throw to. He's got whoever you want to take at nine. Could be a tackle, could be a center, could be another wide receiver. He's got mm-hmm. Cole Komet, who is under contract, who's like, fine. He's got two pretty good pass-catching running backs, and Roshan Johnson yeah. and Khalil Herbert on the roster as well. Like, is it a good offense? I mean, it's not going to be a good offense. It was not a good offense when Justin Fields was the quarterback. Like, who knows if Caleb Williams uh, is able to make it better. And I, I think that's another argument for taking the quarterback is that you're not putting him in a Carolina Panthers
1: situation. That's exactly what it is. And we see how much supporting cast can help a quarterback's development, especially early in their career like you know i'm, I'm sure you're like me where you, you watch a ton of preseason games uh just oh, yeah. to get your fix in and like when i saw take dell for the first time i'm like whoa like CJ Stroud's gonna be thrown to Nico Collins, Dalton Schultz, and Tank Dell. Like I think he could actually have like a fine rookie year. Obviously, massively exceeded the even those expectations in his rookie year. But we just know a group of pass catchers. Uh, you know, a competent play caller, which I think Shane Waldron is definitely more than competent. Uh, and, and he showed that in Seattle. And then an offensive line, like you mentioned, where like Darnell Wright can can play pretty well, and they've invested in that. Uh, position group is something that you're throwing a, a team that is actually picking ninth overall, but just happens to have the number one pick and you're taking a number one pick and putting them into a situation that we often don't see number one picks get put into like you brought up.
0: Now, the uh the other complicating thing here would be, well, there has to be a trade offered for you to have to think about, right? So I think these are the teams who theoretically would offer the package, right? And I'm gonna assume the the package is very similar to what the Bears got last year, except instead of DJ Moore, I think you just make that another first round pick, right? Yep. So it's three first round picks, probably two or three second round picks, including one of those first round picks being like a, a reasonable one this year, so that you you can, you know, quote unquote add to this team. And I think the the team that makes the most sense to do that would be the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are the team. Now, I don't know what, I, we, you know, when we're recording this, we don't know who their head coach is. We don't know if it's Bill Belichick. We don't know. Like, we we got no idea, right? But the, the roster, actually, for Atlanta, I mean, they have two of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. I, everyone, like, obviously, they have Bijan Pitts and Drake London. Like, now... They've got absolutely no one under contract other than those guys. So they would have to, if they did make this crazy move for the quarterback, they would have to do some free agency stuff on top of that. Cause I think they're like Scotty Miller and uh, all the, you know, quarter Pat, all these other guys who were under contract last year. None of them are under contract right now. So they have some real move to make, but what do you, what do you think of, of the Falcons offering three firsts, including pick eight, three seconds and, you know, just kind of whatever assorted lotsum for the trade chart after that.
1: I really like the, the idea of the Falcons trading up for, for number one, or, or, you know, even number two pick if, if Washington was, was interested, but uh, I, I don't know if, you know, as much as the trade package as that would be. And like, as often as I think that, you know, it's, it's better to trade down, especially for future picks, because the yeah. team that is trading the future picks, like us- they usually seem to overestimate their ability uh, you know, which is why like the high ends and the Seahawks had, had two top 10 picks last year, uh, you know, with, with the trades that they were making. But I, I don't think that Ryan Poles would, would take that deal because of like a lot of the stuff that we talk about, just like rolling yeah. out with another year of fields. Uh, but like if, if that were to happen, I think it could be beneficial for both sides in a sense where Atlanta gets the quarterback to take advantage of all these, uh, you know, weapons that they've spent first round picks on top 10 picks on. And then Chicago would get to try to put like this all-star supporting cast around fields. If they, if they like felt confident in their ability to do so.
0: I mean, it feels crazy that that would be the thing that they would do. Honestly, to me, it feels like if the, if the decision is to trade the pick, that they do like almost nothing to support fields this year. Like, like they're not going to be a T Higgins destination, right? If they, if they decide, if they decide to trade this pick, like I, sure they'll add someone, you know, they'll add their, their Zay Jones equivalent or whatever, but they're not giving, uh, they're not giving T Higgins, you know, five years, $180 million or, or whatever. Like, I don't think it'll be, uh, some, some free flowing cap situation. Uh, you know, and That's interesting that you think that polls would not take would not take that deal. I mean, it seems I I guess I don't have the I don't have the trade chart. I don't have the trade chart pulled up, but it seems you know, you get down to eight. Maybe you could even take JJ McCarthy at eight, right? If that's if that's the direction that you want to go in. Like, okay, we're we're doing the pick and we are we're trading fields, but we are also adding some competition into the room, and maybe maybe we luck into and JJ McCarthy is uh is is Brock Purdy or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I could definitely see the argument for that. Um, I think just like based on based on taking the trade last year and how well it worked out for right. polls, like ending up with the number one pick again, like maybe that's like maybe that's something that he feels better about with like the trade taking this trade with like if it was the Falcons or another team that is like around that that eight to. Or that seven to ten range, or seven to eleven range, uh, with like the Vikings and Titans being included in there as well. But I st- I think that like with some of the pressure that he's probably receiving to to find the the franchise quarterback that they can feel confident about going forward, and, and really resetting the rookie contract window on right. both him and Ibraflus's like schedules. I still think he would lean towards taking Caleb and turning down that trade. But like I wouldn't be shocked if that was the offer and he took it.
0: Okay, you you actually did just hit the the an important point that I don't know I I don't I apologize for skipping over it, which is that if you are going to take Caleb Williams, you did you did the dumbest thing possible, which is that you fired half the coaching staff and kept a lame duck head coach who like seems like not that good of a coach who who seems like is much more likely to be replaced. I, I think if you gave, if I was to assign probabilities, I would ass- assign like a, it regardless of the scenario, like 70% of the time, Matt Aperfluous is getting replaced that head coach next offseason
1: yeah exactly, and like it's not like the bears haven't seen this exact situation play out before, like with, with exactly yeah like <laughs> so that that that's what was curious to me with with the like I know the defense turned around uh you know post montez sweat trade and they and they were winning some games down the stretch, but i I really thought they were gonna pair a new head coach with a new quarterback coming in um so you know i am I am very curious to see how that plays out,
0: I mean, maybe the thought maybe the thought is. Eberflus is one of the CEO defensive coordinator style guys, so it doesn't even it doesn't even really matter. Like the offensive coordinator and the quarterbacks coach are the are the positions that matter, regardless of what we do, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's whether it's Fields, whether it's Caleb Williams, whether it's Drake May, whether it's whoever, it's that that's actually the more important decision. And I mean, they did. I thought it. I did find it interesting that they interviewed Cliff Kingsbury about the, about the offensive coordinator job, even if it was just like a fact finding operation. Like, what is it, what is Caleb Williams like in, you know, meetings or whatever?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I I do think that there was signal there and like, I, yeah, I I mean, I, I think that they would take Caleb Williams with with the number one pick if they like were fully set on taking quarterback. But again, like, like like you mentioned earlier, like wouldn't be shocked if it was Drake may either. Like there's, there's definitely an, an argument and a path for him being, the Bears selection in the draft.
0: Yeah. I, I, you know, weirdly, I actually would be pretty surprised by that. I I don't know why. I think, I think it's just, it's, it's one of these things that it's just like faded, you know, that like the, the yeah. market just decided this like a long time ago, like <laughs> the Williams won the Heisman when he was 19. It's just like that. Like, like actually very similar to Trevor Lawrence. People have totally memory wiped this Trevor Lawrence, the best football Trevor Lawrence ever played was when he was 18 at Clemson. And he's, he's, he was obviously still very good after that, but it's basically been, um, descending levels of disappointedness in Trevor Lawrence ever since that Mm -hmm. beginning season. And the same has been true uh, of Caleb Williams as well. I, okay. If I was Ryan Poles, actually, I, I I need to revise my answer. I would have fired Matt Aberfluous as well. I To me, it does feel like a weird spot to do it. Maybe, maybe if you're going to keep the coach, and I just think it's kind of a lame dunk, maybe it is better to just take whatever the biggest trade package is and just say, fuck it. But, you know, again, the hardest thing to get is the quarterback. The hardest thing to get is the quarterback. And once you get that quarterback you can make a lot of mistakes. Uh, I think Brett beach is proving that to us that you can be mm. once, if you get the quarterback, you can make whatever mistake you need to make, but you are, you are going to be in a good spot once you get the guy. And this is, you know, maybe, maybe the bears only chance to get the guy this decade.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think I, we, we talked about this before, you know, either it was on your show or, or in DMS or something, but like it is, it is uh, kind of crazy how, GMs in the NFL are like solely evaluated on whether they found the franchise quarterback or not for their team. And like, you can do a great job of building the rest of your roster, but if you just keep missing on, on quarterbacks, whether it's through the draft or trades or like different stuff like that. Like I think Joe Douglas has built this awesome defense and got Garrett Wilson, got Brees hall missed on Zach Wilson trade for Aaron Rodgers, He gets injured. And like, now he has like one of the lowest winning percentages of any GM of like the past, like 20 years or something like, it's like, it's just, it's just tough that it's, it's like a quarterback or no quarterback type league, but that that is the reality that we are living in.
0: I mean Brandon, Brandon Bean, the 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 yeah. Bills GM. Mm-hmm. Look, look that roster against Kansas City. I mean, the defense had like nothing left. Khalil Shakir is out here, you know, like a guy that the coaching staff tried to bury is like absolutely bailing the rest of his teammates out. They take Dalton Kincaid in the first round, who had like six catches in the. I guess he scored a touchdown against the Steelers, but it's against the Steelers. Like it just. <laughs> But none of that matters at all. The Bills are going to open up next season, like fourth in the NFL and Super Bowl probability. And Brandon Bean is not going to have to answer one question about his job mm. because the biggest bet that he made in his life, which was to take Josh Allen, a guy that a lot of people thought sucked, me included, uh, you know, and he he won that bet. And so he's going to be able to work as long as he
1: wants, basically. Mhm exactly yeah i mean it's once you once you get that quarterback the the rest of the pieces uh really don't even have to fall in place like because the quarterback can cover up for so many other other issues um, you know, that, that you're, you're dealing with as a, as a roster from a roster building standpoint. But um, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's, it's very uh, black and white there when it comes to like taking the quarterback and and developing them and making sure that they are like in in the right situation and, and they're able to produce uh, like a pretty effective numbers and, and get enough wins and stuff.
0: That's kind of crazy as a GM, that would make me think if I'm, you know, if I'm polls or whatever, I'm like, well, you just mean if I get this right, I got a job for the next 10 years. Like, sure. <laughs> I'm going to get fired if I get it wrong, but I might get fired anyway. You know, I might, I like, right. if, like, if I get this wrong, I, m- I might get fired anyways. When, uh, you know, when, like, cause what the, how long can this McCloskey family own the Chicago bears? Like eventually they're just going to get sick of it. And if, and when that happens, they're bringing in, they're bringing in a new cause what the Virginia is like 103 or something. Yeah. Once it what, once you get to the kids, once you get to like a 57 year old great great grandchild of the original owners <laughs> or whatever, let me tell you, that guy is gonna be ready to cash in. That guy is gonna be <laughs> ready uh, to to turn those chips in. All right, so let's do it from the commander's perspective. They have no decision to make. I don't think they just take whichever quarterback's there. And I I they they just run to the podium, right? I mean, there's nothing to think about.
1: For sure. Yeah, I I, I think so too. Um, I think it's like a good spot to be at, like Last year when the you know, when the Panthers, I think there are some reports before they actually made the trade with the Bears about trading up, I was thinking, and like I thought this was something other people were saying as well, is like if I was the Panthers, I would be trading up to number three and letting the decision of quarterback kind of fall to me because I yeah. don't want that buyer's remorse of having to move to one, taking the right quarterback, because like the the error bars are just so wide on these quarterbacks that you know you don't have that so i think the commanders will kind of be in a similar situation you know maybe the patriots take a quarterback at three but i still think that there's no like regret if the commanders take whichever quarterback is left over between the top two and they can't like go back and be like oh i wish we took you know this other quarterback just because uh like it was a consensus decision at the time
0: it was a consensus decision at the time i mean although uh we are literally living an example of how uh, the error bars are so large and how it can change the direction of your franchise, right? Like the Panthers are totally dead, made like the worst trade ever, like there's no hope for them. Like, you know, they have this this owner who just like keeps meddling. And the Texans were completely wandering in the wilderness. Like 18 months ago, right? You know, it's like, it's like we, okay, we traded away. We, Jack Easterby is involved and like we have this large fail son running the team. Like no one knows what's going on in Houston. And now all of a sudden, Houston is like one of the good vibes teams in the NFL. Like unbelievably, yeah. like a, a good vibes team because they got that decision right. The commanders, they have the chance to be the new good vibes team because the commanders have been the opposite of good vibes for my whole life. I don't really remember. The commanders ever being a team that was like particularly fun to watch, that people liked, that had like like a good Q rating, you know? Maybe the 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 Elder Shanahan years, like the Alfred Morris years, yeah. maybe those. Or Robert RG3's Robert R J 3s rookie year. R J 3s yes. rookie
1: year was was the only time that it was fun to watch the commanders for sure.
0: okay all right but and they even that ended up being like a super bummer right even that ended up being a huge bummer where his knees are messed up and he hates his coaches and it's it's all awful i mean yeah they can do they can hire i mean i don't even know uh who it is being reported right now that is in the the lead for their uh their head coaching job like a lot of that stuff is is left to be determined i i think slowick would be pretty interesting although Slowick, like, I I don't know. He he showed he showed some cracks in his game a little bit in some of these a lot of first down runs in spots where they were drawn completely dead. So maybe some stuff for him to learn there. But yeah, you you get the quarterback. Um you've got you've already got good wide receivers. That's the crazy thing, is they already kind of yeah. have good wide receivers. So that there's it's already something kind of fun to build on there. Like the commanders are like six months away from being a fun football team.
1: For sure. I mean, the commanders rebuild I think is gonna happen quicker than people might expect. You have the most cap space in the room according or in the league, uh, according to over the cap. Uh so like that that's gonna play a big part in in spending money this offseason and getting the right players in there. And then you not only do you have the number two pick, you have the Bears second round pick, you have the 49ers third round pick. So like you can just throw a bunch of darts at different areas of need and like have a pretty good supporting cast and offense for your quarterback and then work on fixing one of the one of the worst defenses in the league last year so i think i think it it could turn around pretty quickly for the commanders just because all the resources are there
0: and it's always hard for me to tell like what is that even you know what like the bears had all this cap space right it's like I, I mean, I don't even really know. Like I'm not in in the weeds enough to know like did a team have a good free agency, did a team have a bad free. All I know is to like sort by the the important position. So like if you spend the money on like offensive line and edge rushers and cornerbacks, I'm gonna be like, You did a good job. Although uh you know the Ravens and the 49ers are really stuffing it in our nerd faces <laughs> with their uh with their off the ball linebackers, uh helping these these uh really elite defenses. Maybe the most interesting team to figure out what they should or could do is the Patriots because they mm-hmm. clearly Kraft was just sick of having no say on the personnel stuff, right I mean that that to yeah. me kind of reads how this was that would read to me like he'd be like he'd like to have a quarterback because probably Belichick was like, no, we're not signing." whoever, you know, we're not, we're not doing this. We're not trading for this guy. I don't want it. I I'll, I'll make it work with Mac. He probably wanted Bailey's Zappi actually probably hated Mac Jones, but they hide they, I mean, I think what they did this off season is terrible. Like you hire the the defensive minded head coach. Just, I don't really know what their plan is. Draud Mayo has said different things about the position they'd be looking at quarterback, running back wide receiver, offensive line. I don't want them to take Marvin Harrison Jr. It's probably my least favorite outcome. Is Marvin Harrison Jr. spends his rookie contract playing with four different quarterbacks in uh, New England? I but I'm not a big Jane Daniels guy either.
1: That yeah that 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 is an interesting uh, thing to bring up. I mean yeah, dream scenario for like us who play fantasy or uh, dynasty or anything. Marvin Harrison ends up with the Cardinals uh, because yep. I think I think that would be a lot of fun. But I think. That the Jaden Daniels uh, choice will be pretty interesting for the Patriots, just because when you have a quarterback like Daniels that can extend plays with his legs, it gives that quarterback a longer leash to figure out the other stuff in the NFL. Like I think, I think Jalen hurts is a really good example of this where the first year that he was a starter, he was relying on his legs a lot. The the passing still wasn't there. You know, you think about the first Buccaneers playoff game where he just wasn't able to pass, but like he got the, the second, chance to start the next year because he had that rushing ability and then he he really you know he had aj brown come in and the passing just took off for him so like i think that with someone like daniel's very similar to anthony richardson last year where it it, like they have this elite rushing ability and they can figure out the the passing side of things as they get more experience with the ball and as they're they're doing plus ev stuff like avoiding sacks so
0: the Jaden daniels thing I mean, one, it's very bizarre because like for someone who watches college football, you are like, wait, Jaden Daniels, the guy who was like pretty mediocre at Arizona State, (laughs) won won the Heisman. What do you mean he what do you mean he won the Heisman? What do you mean he might go third overall in the draft? And and I I'm not meaning to disparage Jaden Daniels. The the thing is, is Jaden Daniels would have been a guy who I would have like ridden to the, the moon for if he was like the 52nd overall pick in the draft where it's like teams were like disrespecting him, right? Like, oh, I'm yeah. like, no, I watched this guy play. He's awesome. But he is... Gonna be, he's 23 right now. I think. I think he might even be turning 24 in uh, his rookie year. He played five seasons. His 2021 season. This is really what gives me the most pause. Is his 2021 season? He's 21 years old uh, at Arizona State in the Pac-12. He throws the ball 301 times, 7.1 adjusted yards per attempt, 10 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Just like a weird season to have on the resume for a number three overall pick. Again not saying that that means he's undraftable or the Patriots would be idiots to take him, but it, it's kind of in the Anthony Richardson vein where it's like, he's not really shown it all to you yet. And yeah, obviously he won the Heisman. He is incredible, but I mean, he's, he was throwing to two wide receivers who are like legit going to be top 20 picks in the NFL draft, which matters a lot.
1: Yes. Yeah, no, that's definitely a fair argument. That's what I, I've had that same thought about him and, and uh you know, Michael Penix junior. Where It's like, are we going to look back in 3 years and be like oh man like it's awesome that they're playing in the NFL or is it like oh they were just throwing at NFL receivers like no wonder they they looked really good their last year of college but i think i think with Daniels it's like the league doesn't want to have the Lamar mistake again where like yeah. everyone passes on Lamar you know even though, despite being a Heisman winner someone who has an elite rushing ability i think i think that's why you're getting these these Anthony Richardson Jaden Daniel type like top five hype from these these type of quarterbacks that uh that are like kind of similar college careers to to Lamar.
0: Well the I mean the the big difference between uh Richardson and Daniels is that Richardson uh yeah right he Jaden Daniels is gonna turn 24 in his rookie year. Is that Richardson yeah. is a, a fucking baby? R- Richardson yeah. is is twenty one now. You know he he played a, a season in the NFL. Well, I guess he didn't really play all that much, but he like you could very easily sell yourself on. Well, yeah, we just have not seen everything that he can do because he didn't get to play that much and because he's so young. Whereas like with Daniels, you are like, I mean that guy had a, that guy had. Probably fourteen hundred dropbacks in in college, and mm-hmm. I mean the 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 all pro wide receiver thing goes both ways. You've got the Zach Mettenberger, weirdly actually at LSU with Odo Beckham, Jarvis Landry, and uh, uh, Jeremy Hill. They had this they had this crazy all NFL offense, and Zach Mettenberger was like the fifteenth overall pick in the draft, and he yeah. stunk like literally could not play in the NFL. And then you've got these are all LSU. This is so weird. And then you've got Joe Burrow with Jamar uh-huh. Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Terrace Marshall, where it's like, yeah, you could have made that argument the same way, and Joe Burrow is awesome. It's so weird that all of those examples are LSU. I'm sure there are other examples, but those are just the ones that uh, that come to mind. I, I, I'm still, as you can tell, I'm just waffling. I don't really know what to make of him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Yeah, the Joe Burrow part is really interesting because because he, he was an older prospect with uh, yep. like an insane insane supporting cast, like like Jaden Daniels. Which is funny that LSU has done it, uh, you know, within a couple of years here again. But um, but yeah, that that that's the thing. Like, I think I think when you look around the league and like you know some things that I've heard from from friends at teams before, like age is an important factor in the draft models that they build and and like it, that like when you in entire body of work. Is also predictive instead of just like looking at the last year, the last two years of their college career. So those would be arguments against Jane and Daniels. So yeah, I'm I'm with you where I'm like I'll, I'll go back and forth on it, probably for the next uh, ninety six days there, like you mentioned.
0: Yeah, it's just uh, I mean, the NFL draft is normally very fun. I I think that this has the potential to be one of the more fun ones because we should have. A bunch of trading spots. Um, you know, there are there are multiple teams I could see trading back and trading up. Like Kansas City and Buffalo might be frozen out of the stud, stud, stud wide receivers. Like they're probably frozen out of Malik Neighbors, um, Roma Dunze, and maybe even Brian Thomas. And maybe they don't. Maybe they don't want to pick devontez walker right maybe maybe they don't maybe they're not into xavier worthy or uh Adanae mitchell or whatever so i think that is a potential uh trade-up spot um yeah it's just it's just kind of it's kind of and and obviously as a fantasy nerd um it like we might see like 16 skill position players go in in the first round like it might be it might just be absolutely nuts how many uh quarterbacks and wide receivers go probably no running backs this year
1: yeah well right. I mean that's the crazy thing. Like I think that there's a chance that nine of the top ten picks, or maybe all ten, are like all offensive players, just because that that's like what this this draft has between the quarterbacks, receivers, and offensive tackles, and, and obviously Brock Bowers uh being thrown in there as well if, if he ends up getting into the top ten there. So it's like I you know, I'd be I'd be curious as we get later into draft season, like what the prop bet would be for all the top 10 picks being offensive players uh set by like the betting market, because I think that there there's like a, an outside shot of that actually happening, which will make for a really interesting draft, especially in the back. And then the other thing is, uh, you know, how NIL has changed whether players are, are leaving college or leaving college for the draft or, or staying in extra it's year. It's so like, big. You Yeah. Like you look at Ohio state, they brought back multiple players who would have been, third fourth round picks on defense and so now like our team's gonna be trading up more to get these players that actually came out of the draft instead of like what you they would have lower ratings on the players in other years like that's what i'm i'm easy uh, i'm fascinated to find as well
0: yeah i mean travion henderson and emeka buka both went back to college and it's like yeah those guys probably would have been like just thinking about like dynasty stuff, like they would have been like top 20 rookie picks probably. And they're just like, Mm -hmm. Nope. I I think we will see it most with running backs. I think we're just going to see a lot of junior running backs be like, no, I'm staying. I one, I love being a college. It's just, I just get to run for, I get to run for 150 yards and score two touchdowns a game. And what I'm going to go be a fifth round pick and, you know, have to play special teams while Najee Harris averages 3.3 3 yards per carry <laughs> ahead of me. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I, I would rather, mm. I would rather, you know, stay where things are great. And I can, you know, I can NIL a couple, you know, $1.3 million. Like I, I, if I'm Travion Anderson, I'm probably doing that too, honestly.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. I think, I think NIL, I'm so glad that you brought that up. Like I think NIL is the biggest for running backs because like the, there, there are valid arguments for not paying running backs in a, in a salary cap league, like the NFL. And like, that's the unfortunate thing because of age and, and like when production drops off and impact but like in, in college, there's no cap on the amount of NIL money that you can give out. The age yep. hasn't caught up with, with, uh, you know, basically every single running back at that point. And they have a lot of impact. Like it's very clear that, that these running backs on, on really good teams that like, have impact. So I, you know, I'm, I am glad that these running backs are getting paid. Like you brought up, like if they get a million dollars in NIL before they go to the NFL and, and uh, you know, they're, instead of being a fifth round pick, like you would take that so many times, you'd just be a year older entering the NFL, but uh you would still be walking into the league with with a decent amount of money in your bank account which is which is pretty good
0: that is yeah that is honestly like that's cool that 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 should that because there should be a way for running backs to make money no one I, I don't no one seriously should argue that uh that we don't want these dudes to that we don't want these dudes to get paid like i want i want braylon allen to make his to make his money and i uh, braylon allen by the way fascinating test case a converted yeah. linebacker who's 19 years old who weighs 240 pounds i i am hoping against hope that a good team decides they like him that he's like a second round pick and that he gets a bunch of touches i i don't know how hopeful i don't know how hopeful i am about that but i really hope it happens
1: he's so young too which is like which is crazy i think he's the is he the youngest player in the draft i saw dan brugler tweeting about he's, that he's uh, guy if he's
0: 19 it's hard for me to imagine anyone could because he started as a 17 year old he, he was a starting running yeah. back in the big Ten at 17 <laughs> it's pretty insane
1: that's wild. The the you know discrepancy between him and like some of the players that are come back for like their six and seven years is pretty funny to see on the field for sure.
0: Yeah, the 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 Oregon tight end who caught his his <laughs> very first ever pass from Justin Herbert. It's a pretty good one. Justin Justin yeah. Herbert's on his second contract in, in the NFL yeah. and he still has teammates. Um wild. playing yeah. there. Yeah. It is. Uh oh well, real quick. Uh, McCarthy and Penix. I mean, I, I get the McCarthy bet. Penix was like really fun for like six weeks, but I think ultimately he's going to, it's so like, Oh, he was going to be a day three pick and now he might be around. I, no, he's going back to where he was going to get taken. Yeah. He's going to go. He's going to go back to being like a fifth round pick. I think.
1: Yeah. I don't know if he'll, he'll fall that far. I think, I think he still might be like borderline day two pick. Uh, you know, the main thing to like about him is his pressure to sack rate is, is really, really low. I think it's the best out yes. of the quarterbacks in this class. And the accuracy rate is is not good at all though. So there's like the the rebuttal and and you know, I think that the, the national championship game showed that a little bit. Uh for McCarthy, uh, you know, I think a lot of people have said this, but this is where I kind of fall is like I think he would be a, a fine quarterback in like a Shanahan system. I don't know how well he would do um in like an offense that like puts a lot on his play and asks him to go through multiple reads and create out of structure. Like I think I think that it situation dependent is uh, you know something that applies like heavily to to McCarthy and you know uh
0: JJ J. J. McCarthy for the Miami Dolphins Shanahan tree
1: I don't know it's kind of kind of really interesting yeah that would yeah. Be really well
0: look you, you you got a quarterback who can play in cold weather right He he knows <laughs> he knows what to he know or JJ J. McCarthy to the San Francisco 49ers right because uh Purdy should be Purdy will be eligible for an extension this well, now I I have not I've not gone down this rabbit hole yet. Um but yeah, what do you even pay Brock Purdy? What do you pay Brock Purdy?
1: Purdy's contract is actually gonna be one of the most fascinating contracts in, in recent NFL history. Like I've I've thought about this before. Uh Dude, you know, I think
0: his, his cap it is one million dollars this yeah. year and next.
1: <laughs> yeah. And like I I think you look at like the way that the uh Gino Smith, Daniel Jones contracts were were laid out where it's like the teams are saying like we want you to be a starting quarterback but we don't fully trust you to pay you top yeah. end quarterback money so we're going to give you something around like 40 million a year uh and and like have an out after two years basically in, in case like it goes south with you so, like I think I think Purdy's gonna be in a similar boat where he's gonna get that like mid-level quarterback contract which would probably be around 50 million once you hit the inflation uh, and if it's after next year but like if he wins a Super Bowl this year or next year, there's a lot of leverage that he'll bring to the table that uh you know it's not like a sure thing that the 49ers would actually like get that deal done if they had another quarterback in waiting
0: yeah that's that's so true yeah I mean if they if they win a Super Bowl this year or next though, and Purdy is like, "Come on, man! It's really gonna be—it's really gonna be a test of Shanahan's, uh, honestly, like his own belief and his ability to turn all these quarterbacks into, uh, you know, top five EPA machines." Because <laughs> Purdy's Purdy's agent—I, I don't even know who it is—would would rightfully be like buddy, you guys, they, they thought I was going to win MVP. You are, you guys, I am getting paid. I am not signing yeah. the Daniel Jones team-friendly contract. I am getting $43.7 million per year for five years and someone will give it to me. You know, I don't know who it is, but the Raiders don't have a quarterback at the Raiders. Well, the Raiders will give it to me, you know, <laughs> like someone is, someone is going to give Purdy that deal.
1: Yeah, I, I, I do think so. And like, that's why it would, you know, it'd be impressive if, uh, the 49ers like stood, stood ground there. And, and we're like, all right, like, we'll we'll just make it work again. Cause like we believe in Shanahan and the supporting cast that much where, where we can feel like we can turn out another top five EPA season out of, out of a different quarterback.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, my man, what can people find on Sumer sports for the remainder of the NFL playoffs and for the upcoming NFL draft? What can they be tuned into?
1: Yeah. So we have a like 117 page playoff preview up on the site. So if you wanted to read like the four teams that are playing this weekend, uh, you know, go to supersports.com and you can just put in your email, download it. It's it's free. We'll have a similar uh, Super Bowl preview that won't be as long, but we'll have a pretty like matchup specific analysis that we've been working on getting ready for, for next week. So uh, be sure to look, that as well I and mean, you know check out our, our podcast uh the super sports show i i do the tuesday show eric eager and thomas Dimitroff do mondays and wednesdays so talking a lot of playoffs a lot of draft stuff like we talked about on this show as well yeah
0: yeah uh it's all good stuff i would encourage all of you guys to check that out and i will be back next week uh see y'all then
1: bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy in 2022